I know that they're suggesting the news that the uh, mass that you can pretty much if you fold up your own con mask, I think it's con is the material they were suggesting on this one. I don't think they will let you wear that in the fight format. So unfortunately, as much as I would be amused by seeing assorted multicolored ninja fights in there, I don't think I'll be seeing that in the UFC event anytime soon, which would be much to my disappointment. If you actually have your own island, I think it's a necessity in order to have that in there. Aside from the fact that they would get sued by the actual owners of Mortal Kombat. Good luck suing them. Who are you going to send it to? Are you going to mail it over to the island? <laughs> nice. Nice. Anyway. You are hopefully listening to episode 49 of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. Normally I hail it the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics, but lately it's been two unqualified idiots rambling on generic topics, and it's still two unqualified idiots, but I brought in a new idiot to substitute for the previous one. So I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me, as has only been the case this one time, my younger brother, Roberto Alcazar. Hey, Roberto, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Not too bad. So I want to give a little background. So normally Dave is uh, here, but as usual, Dave is unre his unreliable self. He's actually in the middle of a move. So we referenced that on last week's episode, but specifically, uh, that also means he's in Internet Siberia, which means he's somewhere in a frozen ditch trying to dig himself a trench so that he can get some Internet. We'll see, we'll see what happens if he comes back next week or if it's going to take him a little longer. So I may have to invite you back. We'll see what happens. But I have a very special topic that we can actually talk about, and I think this will be right in your wheelhouse, so we'll be able to get into that. But before I do that, let me give a little background. So not only is Roberto my younger brother, but we actually, this is not actually the first podcast we've ever done, right? Yeah, I'm a little confused because you didn't give me a movie before coming on here, so I'm not quite sure what's going on in this particular format, so we'll kind of have to wing it from here. So the thing is, Roberto and I did a podcast. Strictly, it was YouTube. So this is when I was tinkering around with the whole podcast format idea. And I'll give, I think, the longer story another day. But long story short, I always liked the idea of creating a podcast. And funny enough, this podcast has now lasted three more episodes than the previous one. But for 46 episodes of questionable quality, Roberto and myself reviewed action movies. And there is going to be a little bit of a play of an action movie thing because I can actually bring that into this. Prepare yourself for the greatest segue of your life. The thing is that um, when we did that podcast, it was really a simple idea. It was kind of like a book club for action movies. And I like the concept. I just don't know if the execution came across. But that whole podcast, and I think the last episode we recorded was like four or five years ago. But the thing is, I felt like it was a good foundation upon which to bring back the concept. So when I got Dave to start doing it, it was uh, we focused on the sports part of it because Dave pretty much knows nothing else. Now, in fairness, if you've heard of any of our other episodes, he probably doesn't know anything about sports either. And I'll get into that in a minute. But the point is, the first previous podcast iteration gave like the grounding for future podcasts to come. And I feel like we've come a long way now that I'm like 90 episodes into my podcasting quote-unquote career, if you will. But it, it takes practice, so you got to get enough reps in. And I guess at this point we now have enough reps that I can at least pretend at being a semi-competent podcast host. But the reason I brought Roberto in, not only because it sounds silly when I'm just talking to myself, although I can do that, is that there were two stories that came up. And this is how I'm going to bring in the action movie element back into it. There were two stories that came up this week that pertain to... Dana White of the UFC trying to have his own, we'll call it an island of fighting, and we'll make some references to that in a minute. But in addition, Major League Baseball themselves are also trying to come up with some ways to be able to house games a little earlier than, than otherwise might be advisable. And we'll talk about kind of our thoughts on those two things. But before I do, I want to do a quick uh, bit of house cleaning. So if you don't mind, Roberto, you can join in on this as one as well. But I want to quickly make a point of order for last week because I made a serious mistake, Roberto. And you know, I am not known for admitting my errors, but I have to say I have made a horrible, horrible mistake that must be rectified. Penance must be paid. This I gotta hear. Last week, 
on the episode. Dave, now I'll give him credit. Dave came up with the idea. His whole premise was, hey, why don't we talk about some some games that we think are worth rewatching? And I said, well, yeah, that seems like a reasonable enough idea. That's a topic. Right now there's no games going on, so why not? Now, of course, Dave came up with the top five. And I didn't do that. I listed off a bunch of games that I thought were worth rewatching because I'm not going to be limited by a top five. Because when you do a top five, you're basically taking ownership of the fact that you're ranking them. You leave yourself open to mockery. But the biggest mistake I made... Now, I made fun of his picks at the time. But the reason why I say I made a horrible mistake, and I apologize to everyone, I didn't really go in as hard as I should have. And the tactical error was mine. I hadn't had dinner, I was hungry, I was tired, and I didn't have the energy to properly eviscerate Dave the way I should have. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to list off the five games he picked. And even though you might not have seen these games, you'll understand why this deserves a lot more mockery than it got. Are you ready for this? Just before you get on the list, I just want to make it clear is that you're apologizing that you didn't make a front of your friend enough more. Correct. That is exactly what I'm apologizing for. And that is the most on-brand thing I can ever do, and you can attest to this. Yes, I can say that's, that's definitely in character for you. See? You're not surprised anymore, are you? I wasn't really surprised in the first bit. Even when I was hearing it, you were mentioning parts of this over dinner. And it's like, yep, this, this, is, definitely, uh, this is definitely my brother talking, yeah. So the thing is, I'm going to explain the, I'm going to quickly run through these games, but you'll understand why, why I am so saddened that opportunities were missed here. So the first one, so he did it as a top five. So number five, he picked the 90, 1993 World Series Game 6, which I get. And, and I mentioned it, and I was like, okay, look, I get it for the homework pick. You're allowed one homer pick. I'll let it slide. But there have been better World Series games. And really, when you're thinking about games, you're only really going to be interested in if you're a Blue Jays fan. Like, at the end of the day, here's spoiler. Joe Carter hits home run to win the World Series. If you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, of course this is a great game to rewatch. And from a nostalgic standpoint, totally a game I would rewatch. But in general, as far as the sports populace, you're going to make that a recommendation for somebody. By the way, guys, if you're a fan of this one team in Canada where all the other teams are in the U.S., yeah, rewatch this game. I'll give him a truck, but it's kind of pandering to the local audience on that one. It's super local. Like, remember, the rest of Canada doesn't necessarily like Toronto. So you're, you're, you're really pandering to the local. Basically, you got to be in the GTA. Otherwise, you don't care. It's still a, it's still a reasonable pick the game. And, and we're being frank, Frank. I'm going to have to remind you that for like literal years, you had me saving, I believe it's like a DVR'd copy of it on my computer somewhere. It was like something like a two gig file. So... Apparently, it was worthy enough that even you kept the copy of it somewhere around here for ages. Yes, but I'm a Jay's homer. I'm still not going to recommend that other people rewatch it. That's for my rewatching, not for somebody else's. That's the whole thing. And now, mind you, this is the least objectionable, so stay with me on this. So that was number five. Number four was a 2001 World Series Game 7. I had nothing bad to say about that one because I actually agreed with it. It was actually a good game and a historically significant game that I thought was worth rewatching. I think that's the only correct choice you made. So fine. Number four, I'll let it go. Number three was the 2005 Champions League final, which is soccer. And here's the thing. I'm going to partially let that slide, but bear in mind this is number three. This was not his number one or number two. He picked this as number three. Champions League final, fine. It's subjective. For me, soccer is like is worse than watching paint dry. I'd rather watch paint dry. But here's the thing. I acknowledge there's an international audience that could potentially be listening, and they might love soccer. So maybe if the game was, was a good game, I can accept that that's a choice. So I, I'm going to let that one go. And I didn't even go in hard on that one, even though I probably could have. And I did make fun of soccer a little bit, but it, that wasn't my biggest objection. That wasn't my biggest issue. I can understand soccer definitely being a thing. It's like there's a big enough audience. And if you do happen to enjoy that sort of thing, then I'm willing to give that an excellent pass on that one, quite frankly. But uh, I, I'm going to be frank. I'm not exactly. It's not my cup of tea either on that. I can watch it, but not for an extended period. But you'll see in a second why I have. 
I don't have an issue with the choice with one of these games being on there, but I have an issue. Like, remember, he put he he's the one who picked the top five. He decided to make it a top five. Okay. Yeah. So now number two was the 2009 NFC Championship game. Okay. So number one, it's not even the Super Bowl. Number two, he picked this because the New Orleans Saints beat the Minnesota Vikings. It was a garbage game. Minnesota played like crap, and that's the only reason New Orleans was in it. Now, the thing is, if you're a New Orleans Saints fan, this is a great game for you. But also, you won the Super Bowl the same year. Why wouldn't you pick the Super Bowl game if you're going to be that much of a homer? And number two, it wasn't a, actually a very good game. It was actually a very badly played game. I did make fun of Dave quite a bit on this one, but I, I feel like I really should emphasize. Number one, it wasn't even the Super Bowl that was won that year. Number two, it wasn't a particularly well-played game. It was a close game, but that's because Minnesota played bad. If a team plays bad and that makes it close, that's not a good game. And it's also not a game worth rewatching for anybody that isn't a New Orleans Saints fan. Talk about niche on niche. But the question is, was it just a bad game or a spectacularly bad game? Because honestly, no. it wasn't it was a mediocre game. Mediocre? Okay. Yeah. I'm willing to say I'm going to agree. If it was something spectacularly bad, though, then that would be entertaining to watch. So I would give them a reason for that one. But if it's something where it's like, it's just a poor performance, not something that is just an absolute collapse... I'm not sure it'd be my first pick. If it was a dumpster fire, I could have at least accepted it from a humor standpoint. That would have been fine. That would have been cool. But no, not so much. It was just like, it was just one team played bad enough to keep the other team in it for long enough for them to make a comeback and basically go to overtime and win. That's what I'm supposed to get excited about. Disappointment. Dave is pretty much the personification of disappointment. But that is not the most egregious one here. It's a pretty bad one. It's homerism in its worst type. But the last one. The, the number one choice. Now, remember, I said number three choice was the Champions League final, which, fine, at least that's kind of the big game as far as soccer is concerned. That's a high-level game. I get that. But his number one choice was the 2016 MLS, as in Major League Soccer, Eastern Conference final. Okay, now I'm going to give the context first, and then I want to get your thought on this. So now, this is his number one choice. Now, MLS, this would be like me picking a double-A baseball game as my number one choice because it's not the highest level it's not the second highest level it's not the third highest level it's like the 47th highest level of soccer in the world it is professional fine there are great players who play who've played in it after they pass their prime because they can't play in the better league anymore so they go to this one and i have no issue if you're entertained by it but number one also in this particular year they got to the mls final and they lost so your number one choice is a game that you happen to have attended to, that to you was the most exciting game, to you personally was the most exciting game, which led to nothing. Did he preface this as a personal list, just to make sure? No! <laughs> that was the point. That was the reason why I was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm t if, even if you're going to do this, why on earth is this number one and the other soccer game is the number one then? Hey man, these are your friends. I don't pretend to understand them. This is just not how it works. This is why I'm getting your unbiased opinion. Do you do you not do you even think there's a can you think of a justification for this? Even if you're a hardcore soccer fan, for you to select a fourth or fifth rate soccer league Eastern Conference final game as opposed to a final or something as your number one game to recommend to someone else to rewatch. Like I said, were the uh, the earlier ones is like if something particularly strange happened on this game then sure, like something that was an absolute blowout or just something where it was just offensively interesting on both ends, which as a soccer game, I rarely see or hear of, then sure, why not? I can give that one an understandable. It's like I could at least reason about that. I'm going to guess this was not the case, though. No, 
It was just a game. It was just basically a random game between Toronto and Montreal that led to Toronto going to the final and losing. This is, seems like it's once again more of a personalist, which you probably should have been prefaced. And second, there's definitely a more local slant on that one. And yeah, frankly, but, if you hadn't told me what MLS was, I would have never been able to guess what that acronym is. Exactly my point. You being not necessarily a sports guy is the reason why I had to give that little bit of context because I'm like, just so we're clear, the fact that you don't know what MLS is and they have a team is like, that's kind of my point. The people who like it, like it a lot. I don't have an issue with that. No problem. I'm but like, this is not a game I recommend to somebody. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but is, is it just me or is that particular team a play out of uh, exhibition? Am I thinking that? Yeah. yeah, they play out of BMO. I, th- I think it's still BMO. They might have renamed it again. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like you got to be local. Basically, number one, you got to be local and you got to be niche on niche because this because they went on to win a championship later in a different year. Why don't you pick the year they won a championship? Why do you pick a random game? Oh, I was at that game. I don't care if you were at Here's the thing. I don't care if you were at that game. No one else cares. Good for you. It's not a game to rewatch. Come on. Honestly, it's more of a wonder. I know there's stuff that plays there. It's like, I maybe hear about it as a periphery, or at least I used to in the years back. At this point, it doesn't even come up. And mind you, that was people I was hearing from were people that weren't necessarily even soccer or football people, whatever terminology you want to say it. But you would still be able to hear about it, at least see things pop up on the news or at least advertisements. Right now, obviously, you're not hearing about anything because obviously nothing is running, but even for the past year or so, I'm drawing a blank on the last time I heard any of the Toronto FC. Or is, is it Toronto FC in this case? Yeah, it's Toronto FC. Yeah, I can't even think of the last time I honestly heard of a Toronto FC thing in the recent few years. Much less. That's about, that's about where it belongs. If you're a casual fan, you probably have no idea what we're talking about, and deservedly so. It doesn't deserve any more than that. And if you're more of a hardcore fan, well, then great. Go, go check out a game. I'm not telling you not to. But the television ratings, they get generally are abysmal. Uh, no one cares. And it's like, good for you. Like I said, the passionate fans are super passionate. Fine, no problem. I get it. But I'm, I'm not telling anybody, I'm not telling even a hardcore soccer fan to watch this before like 87 other thousand things. There's a bunch of leagues in Europe that probably have more interesting things to rewatch if you're going to rewatch something from basically our lifetimes. You've got so much choice in so many sports. For God's sake, go rewatch a darts championship from two years ago. It'd probably be more exciting than that. At least you're more excitable in the crowd. Mind you, there's probably a lot more alcohol in the crowd, too. And the excitement when someone gets 180. That's what I'm saying. Hey, listen. In, in a work meeting today, we someone made reference to the to darts, and we were having a good chuckle about that. I said, no, you know what? I don't know if it's a good sport or not. It's a good TV sport. I'll give it that. It's a good TV sport, especially when they get that pub set up like an amphitheater in the entrances. It's, it's a good show. It's not a pub. It's a beer hall. The technical term is beer hall. So you're you're bringing in the news already. Good stuff. All right, so that's enough. I'll make fun of Turnbull more next time I get the chance to talk to him. But this list was patently absurd, and most of these games are trash. 93 World Series is good, but if you're Homer. 2001 World Series, objectively good. Champions League Final, don't care, but I'll, I'll leave it. NFC Championship game 2009, trash. And Eastern Conference Champion, MLS, trash. Moving on. See, now I feel better. I at least got to get my... This is the kind of shots that should have happened last week. But what are you going to do? Apparently added to another episode the week after. Yeah. Hey, listen. I I refuse to let the audience that is used to my consistent mockery of Dave, you know, be disappointed. That it's like, well, you know, Carlos made fun of him. But I feel like normally he's a little bit more vicious, especially on the soccer. He's a lot more vicious on the soccer. And I I was disappointed re-listening to it. I was like, I I feel like I, I just didn't do enough. It wasn't me. It wasn't what I. It wasn't what I do. 
I got to keep it lively for the fans, I guess. Yeah. No question. All right. Let's talk about what I actually brought you on to talk about. Making fun of Dave's fun, but uh, you don't have the context to be able to add into it too much. So if we're not going to pile on, on let's, let's do something that we can definitely get into. So I promised that I was going to have a sweet, sweet segue. So here's the thing. Let's talk about UFC and Dana White. The obvious decision, so I'll give the overview first, is that Dana White is proposing. Now, obviously, we're going to have to see if he can pull this off. But the, the big story is that he told TMZ and a bunch of other outlets is that he's, he's basically planning on going back and forth between an a, a undisclosed place in the United States that he claims he has access to to be able to stage fights. But in addition to, and this is where the big story came in, is that presumably he's got a line on a private island where he would try to have uh, UFC fights so that they can basically have shows every week and be able to presumably put them on television. Now, there's about a million and eight things that I want to say about this, but I want to get, give you a shot at this first. I'll quickly say, the obvious joke, and you made the joke, and I saw it in articles, I saw it everywhere, was private fight island and then all of a sudden the mortal Kombat theme song plays from the movie and lots of folks got that joke but let me throw a little wrinkle at this because i feel like i had some time to think about it and i feel like dana white telegraphed this and do you want to know why this i want to know why okay Go on. so one of the things that the, the ufc's got is ufc fight pass and i've got ufc fight pass and it's an excellent service and i've recommended it previously on the podcast because i think if you're a fight fan it's great it's got a lot of uh, previous fights and i was trying to remember the other day and i kept forgetting the other fight federation pride was one of them that has um there's elite xc there there's a lot of historical fight uh, places where you can go check out fights from a lot of famous fighters in the past and obviously previous ufc cards fight night cards all that good stuff great awesome Recently, as part of the whole responding to the quarantine thing and obviously people being at home, I saw UFC Fight Pass advertising that they had added a new category to UFC Fight Pass. Kung Fu movies or martial arts movies, if you will. That is interesting, actually. That is a I won't say it's like completely out of a, out of the blue expansion, but. Yeah, that's definitely a way to fill in some time since obviously you're not getting too much in terms of new content right now for obvious reasons. Yes, but now think about this. The joke about the Mortal Kombat thing, totally valid, totally true, but you know there are kung fu movies that basically are upon the premise of bringing fighters to an island to fight, right? Enter the Dragon. I can't really say Bloodsport, but basically it's treated in a similar fashion. We are bringing them into an isolated format. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bunch. Yes. So how interesting that mere i think like less than a week after some movies that are in the same vein have been added to fight pass all of a sudden dana white announces that he's gonna have his own fight island you know what i have to admit first go ahead i'm surprised vince mcmahon hasn't already pulled that shit off already i just think he had his brain locked into a certain thing but the thing is i I just love the fact that when you really sit down and think about it like wait a minute did you already telegraph this Hmm. I haven't looked at the list of the movies, but I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them involve fighting tournaments in an island. But nonetheless, I've got a couple of issues with this. Before I say, do you have, off the top, other than the obvious Mortal Kombat or Kung Fu movie jokes, what what issues do you think you can see with this wonderful plan? Aside from the fact that I can't really picture Dana White wearing... Uh more oriental robes and growing out a goatee much less the hair needed in order to pull this job off let's face the small little fact that how are you going to make this island work and then be able to transport fighters back and forth between the islands when airport and pretty much all flights are kind of locked down from those parts except for essential ones how are you going to make that work are you going to have them all live in the island which if something if someone does get sick basically you have a contagious throughout the whole bloody island at that point 
how are you going to be able to film this? How are you going to exactly charge and be able to pay people for this? There are a lot of there's a lot of uh, just operational questions I have in mind here, which I'm not sure I can figure out a sensible answer for. Okay, so at. the paying people I'm less worried about, but you're hitting on a couple of the points that I wanted to hit on. I just wanted to give you a shot at hitting a couple. So logistics is basically what we're talking about. We're talking about logistical nightmares, but one of them is okay. So let me let me try to let me try to play devil's advocate and try to fill in some of these blanks. I'm just throwing stuff out there, by the way. I I don't have. I'm not going to be able to give you the, the ability to do this. But if you're talking about fighters that are like in a quarantined area, pretty much the only way you'd be able to do it, as far as I can think, would be to like, obviously you can have a landing strip on your private island, um, and then you can control that with the private planes. But now what you're doing is basically you're saying, okay, so we're going to have our own private runway on this private island so that we can bring fighters in and out. But then you're going to have to have your pilot. And then you're going to be any person that you're bringing back and forth, you're going to have to be able to test them. Because you're going to want to test them before they hit hop on the plane, after they hop on the plane, while they're there. You're not going to have the fighters necessarily, quote-unquote, live there for long. But here's the thing. Regardless of the martial arts jokes, Dana White is running as a UFC is a sanctioned athletic organization. Well, out of all the logistics that we're talking about, what about the athletic commission? You've got to have representatives of the athletic commission for these fights to be legitimate. Because otherwise, they don't really count. You, you can fight anybody you want on the street if you want, but it's not a sanctioned fight. So you need officials from an athletic commission. Well, here's the thing. If you're on an island, who has jurisdiction? Just off the top, who has jurisdiction over this? Basically, the question is, where is this private island for one? Is, is, forget jurisdiction. What are the laws in this area or this kind of no man's land that he's trying to form here? But that's what, I'm, that's what I mean when I say jurisdiction. An athletic commission is actually the ones. So think about this. In order to pull this off, you not only have to have a private island, you have to figure out an athletic commission that somehow has jurisdiction over a random private island in whatever area that is. The jurisdiction part is, okay, so who's in charge of this? And you're still going to have to do weigh-ins. You're still going to need that kind of staff. You're going to need the athletic commission people themselves. You're going to need judges. You're going to need the referees. You're going to need um, – you, you can minimize the amount of staff to a certain point. But again, you're going to need the on-staff doctors. You're going to need uh, – you're going to need enough tests available – at the time that you're trying to do this, which presumably I guess you're going to buy them privately, so you're going to take a huge PR hit because people are going to be like, wait a minute, if there's a shortage of tests, Dana White, you're buying a bunch of tests. Number one, are they good tests? Number two, even if they are good tests, why aren't these tests being used in areas that actually require So basically, if there's a shortage of tests somewhere near this private island, that's going to be a big problem. I was not even just on the test part itself, although that's an entirely valid point. It's like, in terms of medical facilities on this private island, what are the set up there? That's what I mean. You're gonna fly in your own. You're gonna fly in your own little private hospital in case anybody needs immediate medical attention while you're on the island that can only be accessed via planes. I guess in this case is a wrong movie, but it basically take a quote from Drago: "If he dies, he dies." Kind of deal is what's going on there. Yeah, that that. But that's the thing. It's like I don't know how well that's gonna go over. But I, like, here's the thing. Normally, I just go straight to the mocking, and there's a lot to mock here. But the thing is, there's actual legitimate questions that I have. Like all the things I just. I just laid out for you a bunch of stuff that I'm like, uh, so how are you planning on pulling that one off? And again, you will have to test people regularly. You're going to have to test them before they get on the plane after, because every time somebody comes on the island, they could potentially expose everybody else and wreck your whole little plan. I don't see Dana White being the most uh, precautious person in terms of the uh, potential health risk. So yeah, there, there is no way this could end well if it actually succeeds. But that's the whole thing. Like he doesn't own the UFC anymore. He is a high executive in the UFC, but it's owned by a um, 
is basically owned by a private uh, equity firm, like a holding company. And they own other properties. I think they own Miss, the Miss Universe pageant and stuff like that. They own a bunch of different stuff. They tried to go public. They tried to do a little, I did my little bit of research, you see. A little bit of a research here. They tried to do an IPO that didn't end up going through. But the point is, while they're not a publicly held company, they sure as hell can get sued. It would take one thing going wrong for them to immediately get sued. And Dana White would be on the hook for it, for sure. But at the same time, the holding company is also going to have a say in this. I imagine just because of the potential risk on it, Dan White can say whatever he wants. I, I don't see this actually happening, this pro private island nonsense. It, it's a good little soundbite, I'll give him that, and it definitely queued up people's interests. But in terms of actual practicality, it's fun to talk about, but I don't see it going anywhere. Let's be frank, totally frank on that one. Yeah, I don't think they really have a shot. It, I, I, I just outlined, like, even, even me, a layman, off the street, I am not a medical professional. Roberto might be, but I'm not a medical professional. But the thing is that... I laid out even in just a, even a little bit of light research. I found so many potential areas where you'd be screwed over. Like I said, just think about it. The fighters, all the medical staff and anybody that you need, the referees, the athletic commission, the other officials that are required. You're going to need, what if they have fight camps, right? Like presumably you're bringing your people, right? You're a fighter and you're going to have your trainer and you know your folks related to that. Like I said, even if you're not going to stay on the island long term, you're going to be there at least for a couple of days and then fly out. Well, when you're flying in, you could be potentially exposed. When you fly out, you could potentially be exposed. The pilot could potentially be exposed. Even if you're getting private planes, again, that doesn't take away from the first problem. And everything, so many moving parts, it seems logistically impossible, even if if your wildest dreams. But all that leaves me with one very important question that I need to ask you. What's the question? On a scale of 1 to 10, how Bond villainy is Dana White trying to approach right now with this ridiculous crackpot plan? We're going to give him at least a good seven or eight on this one. I just I just would love to see him do like a full-fledged Goldfinger and just like do pronouncements and something. He's like, no, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. There's no Bond. Oh, sorry. Out of, just out of habit. My apologies. The reason I don't give him a higher score is just because, obviously, the, the lack of trying to keep as many people separated as possible, he can't have as many minions to make this work. If he had the range for more minions, then we could give him a higher score. That's fair. So, so this is a lot. You can't have too many people gathered, which also makes the fact that if you need to bring the fighters, you need to bring their crew, you have a lot of people gathering in that point. So do you give them the camp. 7 or the 8? Where do you put them? You know, I'm going to put them on the 7 at that one. 7 out of 10 on the Bond, Bond villain scale. I, I would think that in terms of most Bond villains would have slightly better planning than this. The better logistics already worked out. I think that's true. I think I'm going to give him, I, I kind of have to separate my score. I'm going to give him like an 8 out of 10 on the Bond villainy scale in terms of attempted scope because he's basically trying to bend reality to his will, which is kind of hilarious. But at the same time, I have to give him like a 4 out of 10 in terms of actual planning and logistics, because it just seems so patently absurd. And I feel like he's got almost no shot of even getting off the ground with this one. At that point, it's almost like a Tesla-level, what-the-hell-are-you-doing kind of deal in this case. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, one other thing. Actually, let me let me quickly segue off this one into a related. So you, you, you heard about WrestleMania 36 being uh, pre-recorded and pre-taped, right? I have heard interesting things and seen interesting bits and pieces where it's... Okay, hold on. I, I want to take a second to talk about this. What did you see? Tell me what you saw. Okay, obviously I haven't been able to see anything like full match setups, so that, but it's, there's definitely, from other bits I see, they're definitely attempting more a more literal storytelling choreography in this, the sort of bits I'm in there. Yeah, there were two matches in particular that went for a very cinematic feel. So which one did you catch? Bits and pieces I saw were of an Undertaker... Uh, is it a casket match? Whatever they call that one? They call case? it a boneyard match. 
Yeah, bone yard. So basically, a fight in the graveyard, it looked like. Yep. And whatever the hell was going on with John Cena? The Firefly Funhouse match. Yeah. <laughs> Here, yeah, it encapsulates perfectly what I was what I was kind of hoping you would say. Okay, did you did you did anything particularly stand out for you in the clip that you saw? In the pieces that you saw? In the bits and pieces, I, I was unaware that apparently John Cena existed during the NWO era in WCW because apparently that was something that was somehow worked into that match or whatever, Sinanaga or whatever, whatever you want to call the uh, WWE product in this case. I'm not sure what to categorize it as anymore. Okay, so I will tell you, um, I'm not going to go into the whole bit here because oh, for, it, it, going into the same vein of what I said at the very beginning of the podcast, once upon a time, I had multiple ideas for podcasts I could have done. The Action Movie Show was a like a prototype attempt years ago at a podcast, and I liked elements of it and some elements of it I didn't like. And I've changed a lot of the stuff that I didn't like that we tried originally that wasn't a terrible idea. I can't complain about it too much because to this day we still get views on those things. Over 800,000 views on the review of The Marine, which happens to have John Cena. So maybe that's why we got a spike recently. But anyway, the, um, the thing was, though, one of the ideas that I had, and uh, we never talked about this, but one of the ideas that I had, because I like the podcast concept, even years ago, I love the concept, because I like long-form media. But the, the idea would have been, I totally would have done a wrestling podcast back in the day. I couldn't do it now. Like, I would be miserable watching hours and hours of the crap that the WWE puts out at this point, I would want to stab myself in the eye through the majority of the thing. But I will tell you one thing about this. So I saw somebody do a pretty good deconstruction of the whole Firefly Funhouse thing, and they really went into depth. I'll give them credit. I'll give them props. I wish I could cite the specific one, but I think the concept, and I'm just telling you what I think based on this dissection, which I thought was reasonable. I think the whole idea was the... The whole presentation provided was supposed to be like a dissection of the John Cena character and going through multiple alternate paths where he where he basically is facing all of John Cena's quote unquote fears, including the whole idea that John Cena has played a good guy for so long that there were multiple opportunities and avenues where he could have gone bad and making a parallel to that to Hulk Hogan and the NWO thing. Does that make sense a little bit more? That would explain at least part of what I saw. What there were a lot. There was a lot to it. The, like, I, I will tell you that the guys that put it together, uh, Bray Wyatt and John, because John Cena had input too. The guys that put it together did put a lot of thought into. There was nothing that was accidentally included. Everything like had some kind of a hidden meaning, but that's like peeling layers of an onion, and I don't know if most people would care to bother. The is because I'm still trying to comprehend what the hell was going on in this match. Even <laughs> watching the even watching the bits, it was like, just what the hell am I watching? Can we just get the superpowers back at this point? Because that makes more sense than what anything of what's been going on as of late. Okay, you know what? I said I joked about this maybe like a year and a half, two years ago about doing another action movie show, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen, and I don't think it will. But you know what? I'm going to do. I'm going to get. We're going to sit down and we're going to we're going to find time. And we're going to sit down and rewatch this Firefly Funhouse thing. We're going to watch the whole thing from front to back. And then I want to get a proper I want to get a proper breakdown and see. And by the way, you don't need any context to watch it. I just want whatever you can come up with out of it because I want to get like a redone and maybe that'll be that'll be an episode of Action Movie Show because they tried to make a movie, so and John Cena's in it. At least we'll say it's a short film. I'll give them that much. No, they were they were going for a cinematic feel. That's literally what the attempt was. Long story short, I think WrestleMania 36 was a terrible idea. I think they should have canceled it or postponed it or done something else. But at least they tried some new shit. I'll give them that. I don't know if the new shit was good or bad. I leave that to the eye of the beholder. 
but it was something? Question mark? I can say that definitively. And I think you agree with that assessment. It was a product that aired. I think we can all agree on that much. Now that is a ringing endorsement if ever I heard one. Okay, so let's move on from there. I, I want to talk about the other one because, like I said, speaking of movies, see? These segues are sweet today. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if you're feeling it, but I'm, I'm hitting these segues big time right now. Major League Baseball, not quite to the Dr. Evil, you know, Goldfinger, Bond villain trying, but they're Major League Baseball kind of is throwing out an idea that's kind of been no, called the Arizona plan. So let me kind of explain the concept here, and we'll get kind of your thoughts on this as well. So the whole idea would be, and this is a proposal because it, re it relies on a lot of moving parts too. The logistics on this are almost as tough as Dana White's idea, although at least I can see somebody with the resources of Major League Baseball having a better shot at it, but there's a lot of uh, problems that I could foresee here too. So what you would do is basically you'd go to Arizona, and I think specifically in the Phoenix area, I believe, if memory serves me. And the idea would be to bring a bunch of players to it, uh, including expanded rosters. So you have to go a little bit bigger than the normal amount of rosters. And the idea would be to bring in with staff, with the coaches, with everybody, and have like a little mini quick spring training. And then presumably in this theory, by the end of um, kind of June, you would throw, you would start playing games. And you could do that because you have Chase Field, which is in, uh, which is in Arizona, in Phoenix in the Phoenix area, wherever Chase Field is, but you'd have that. Plus, you've got the other parks around it that are usually used for spring training. So the idea would be that you'd have these locations and you'd be able to house a lot of games. And it would become pretty much a predominantly television-based product because you wouldn't have fans in the stands. Although I don't know how you keep fans away if they knew that these games are all being played at the same time. That's one of the logistical issues I see. But the idea would be to have player staff and essential personnel in local hotels, so they would be isolated. So everybody related to it, coming in, coming out, would all be consistently tested and retested and retested. The idea being you're trying to keep uh, the virus completely out. And if anybody happens to contract the virus, you immediately quarantine them and anybody that they had immediate contact with and then consistently test everybody to keep you know, the, the general population healthy. But that means you're effectively shutting these people off from this area with no outsiders allowed that aren't immediately authorized by Major League Baseball. And you basically try to run uh, as many games of the season as possible inside of, here's the movie reference, Biodome. Biodome would have not been the first thing that came to mind on this one. But that was literally this concept. But, like, think about it. It's, it's a terrible movie, by the way. I don't know if you... I, I Basically, I, I in my notes, I called it... So basically, real-life Biodome, but with less Polly Shore, thankfully. That might be why I can't remember the film too much. I, I try to block most things to Polly Shore out of my mind. It was Polly case. Shore and one of the Baldwins. All I can think of is, okay, so you want to get... You want to pretty much collect the roster of a bunch of different teams. I'm not sure how many teams they were thinking of keeping in this area at once. I, I believe, like, all of them. So you have entire in full rosters of teams, including any backups. Whatever and no, you're actually expanding the roster from normal. We're not even talking about just the bench player. We're talking about an expanded, expanded roster. Like a large roster. That, that's my point about the whole roster there. And coaching slash, well, probably coaching mostly, but that's not a small number on its own. Training staff as well. Training staff. Yep. You multiply this by all the teams there, and you basically put in them, in, not just without, but that's still somewhat close quarters, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. And you're you're not expecting an absolute contagion disaster to occur here? Why is this? Who even thought of this and that should be a serious idea to consider? So here, you get two people sick in a whole thing, basically it's going to spread like wildfire. In theory, in, in theory, it could, and that's and that's the real danger, and that is really the danger with this concept. Uh, let me play devil's advocate for a second. The, the thing with the thing with coronavirus, there's a lot we don't know. Let, let's be fair. And again, 
Not a, not a medical professional. But the reality is this. It is possible inside of an enclosed area to contain it. The issue is that it's just really hard. And the challenge, the real challenge to me, above all the logistics and the amount of moving parts here, because that's really hard, um, you could in theory do this, but there is one major overhanging thing. It's the Sword of Damocles hanging over the whole premise. You need a lot of tests. And you need tests. You need the, the kind of the quicker tests. I think they've got a test that they can have within 15 to 45 minutes and get the results. You need that kind of test. Because it means the moment anybody exhibits any kind of symptoms or anything, and by the way, you have to test everybody as they come in. So everybody's got to have a clean bill of health walking in. Because let's, let's keep something in mind, medical professional or not, coronavirus doesn't just sprout out of existence out of nowhere. Somebody has to have it first. They've got to be a carrier to bring it in where other people then catch it and so on and so forth. So if everybody's screened prior to entering Biodome, then you're probably okay. It's all the possibilities for somebody to potentially come in and introduce the virus into the environment where then you've got what you're talking about. Now, the thing is, if you had enough tests available, and this is the key, I don't know if they could possibly have enough tests available, but if you did, and you really did keep it strict, and I mean seal tight, no person can come in or out that hasn't already been tested and gotten the clean bill of health before they even enter the compound area, wherever they got these players. If you can do that, you can probably pull it off because then the players presumably are only going from the hotel where everything is sanitized and everybody's scanned and everybody's already got their clean bill of health and they're being constantly retested as you go. From there to the bus, the bus to the stadium, play the game, leave, get on the bus, go back to the hotel. If you do that that strictly, maybe... You could pull it off in theory. You would just need enough tests. Tests, especially ones that be as fast as you're describing, I don't imagine they're in ready supply right now. That's, but that's right there. That's the number one caveat. Like everything I just said, totally will not work if you do not have access to these tests. If you don't have access to them, you may as well throw the whole, you may as well take the plan, crunch it up, and burn it. Because nothing is possible. Here's the truth. A lot of people, you know, are kind of complaining at this stage because now we've been kind of in lockdown in a lot of different areas for a while. And they're like, well, why do we have to be in lockdown so long? Because it takes a while for, you know, the virus to run its course and we haven't tested everybody. The truth is, if you wanted to get both Canada and the U.S., all of North America, back up and running, you need 380 million tests. If you can do 380 million tests and test every single man, woman, and child in the country, no living soul untested, you find out exactly who has the who has coronavirus today, you could quarantine them and then give medical attention to the ones that need medical attention and the ones that are asymptomatic that feel fine. You quarantine them, let the let the virus pass its course, retest them, and the rest of us could get on with day-to-day -day living. That is possible. You could actually do that, minus the fact that you would need 400 million tests and you need to administer 400 million tests and get 400 million results without anybody else contaminating anybody else in the meantime. Aside from that, sure. It's a few logistical issues, that's all. But that's really, the, but that's really the, re the only reason why we can't do it is because of what I just said. You would need 400 million tests. You would need to get 400 complete results, and then you would need to immediately quarantine everybody who tested positive now, today, five minutes ago. If you manage that, then yeah, you can open up the supermarkets, you can open up the stores, you're good to go. Because everybody who's already got the virus is, is quarantined away. And then when they get better, they get, they get retested, clean bill of health, okay, you can go back onto the population too. Anybody who needs medical attention, they get it right now. But the logistics make... The fact that you don't test everybody means that everybody has to sit and wait. 
So yeah, I think we can safely say this plan is a non-starter as well, for the most part. But you got to give them credit. They really are like... So here, So let me ask you this question. Yeah. Um, between the two plans, who comes off as more desperate? The attempt to have a private fight island. So, so choose between these two. Private fight island, Mortal Kombat music playing in the background, or Biodome. The thing is, neither plan is good. They have very big holes and uh, logistical flaws. That isn't my question. I said, which plan is more desperate? Which plan is more absurd then? Let's start with, which plan is more absurd to you? I would probably say the Mortal Kombat Island is still coming off as the more absurd one. Rather than shutting down an entire city? <laughs> multiple hotels? Multiple ballparks? And trying to basically run a military type uh, installation with like a thousand people? I would probably say the only reason I would give the Mortal Kombat Island an edge is just because of how panly absurd the idea that I don't know how much money the UFC has, but I don't think they have nearly enough money in order to pull that shit off. Well, Zufa is worth billions of dollars, and it is owned as part of a holding company that is worth more billions of dollars. So from that perspective, yeah, they have pretty good resources, but in fairness, Major League Baseball is worth multiples of that. Yep, I would say that's exactly the reason why. I think just uh, in terms of the coffers, I think MLB's got the edge on this one. So if they wanted to try to pull it off now in terms of... Uh, health reasons it's an absolutely terrible idea by all accounts they're both terrible but uh i think mlb might have a slightly better chance of making their absurd plan work as opposed to uh the ufc yeah plus also you have to be able to convince uh this private island which has not been named because i'm not even sure there's an actual private island let's be totally frank on that one in order to allow this nonsense to go through now hold on hold on hold on i'll stop you there on that one in fairness, you can buy a private island. It is, when I say private island, I mean it's literally private island. There's nobody else there. You would have to bid now. The, we didn't even get into that part of Dana White's plan because I'm already like kind of, kind of inwardly chuckling. But the thing is, if you buy a private island and your plan is to house this, and amongst a billion of other, this is like low on the totem pole of logistical. Why would you even? What is wrong with you? This is going to be predominantly a television program. Let's say you. Let's say you would play this out logically. You're Dana White. You're going to have your fight island. Okay, fine. Whatever. You can even call it fight island. That'll be fun. So you do the fight island. You figure out all the logistics, plus the fact that you've got these private airports, presumably, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, because you got to get these fighters there somehow, and, I wonder, and I'm wondering what country would be okay with you flying people in and out who could potentially spread contagion. That's why it's yeah. such an issue. Um, because I, I could imagine some countries that are like, wait a minute, you're trying to fly private planes out of here and you're not even flashing uh, passports because it's a private, quote unquote, runway with a private plane. Uh, how about we shoot you out of the sky? That's, that's one of the potential issues that you could have without getting some clearance from the local government first. But as far as the island is concerned, though, if you actually buy a private island, forgetting the fact that in order to make this a viable television product, you're going to have to have a facility of some kind on said island. So what are you building it right now? Because you got to have a place for the octagon to go. You got to have a place for people to be, presumably to get housed and to train and to do whatever you need to do and then fight and then be able to leave and do all that. So you got to have some kind of infrastructure on it. You could get an island with nobody on it in theory, but then how does the crap get there? The resources is the entire other big issue. Is like, how are you getting resources to and fro from this island? How self-proficient can the island be? Realistically, not. Not at all. You just need a big enough boat at this point the island this we obviously went first for the uh mortal Kombat references just because that's the easiest one but there's probably i can't really recall too many series off the top end or at least not 
my head, but this swear this sounds like some kind of a plot point out of maybe like a Fist of the North Star show in this case. But that's what I'm getting. So maybe that's one of the movies that Dana White has on Fight Pass. This is the greatest cross-promotional opportunity ever built. You are missing on this, man. All I know is if he does manage to get an island, and it's referred to as the Island of Ashura, be concerned. Be very, very concerned. Now, one last thing I'll mention on the Major League Baseball one, and this is just from one of the articles, and what I'll do is uh, CBS Sport has an article on this, and again, it's all speculation. Both of these are kind of pie in the sky, like you're really reaching for it. Uh, to me, the Major League Baseball one feels a little bit more desperate because, like, with the sheer quantity, the Fight Island is ridiculous, but the Major League Baseball plan basically requires basically sealing thousands of people within a certain area in order to try to pull this off, which is a lot. Um, now, as part of that, was mentioned here, uh, federal officials at the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the National Institute of Health, have been supportive of a plan that would adhere to strict isolation, which is what we were talking about, promote social distancing, and allow Major League Baseball to become the first professional sport to return. Now, one thing I'll say, though, that we didn't really cover, the truth is this, I get why they're trying to do it. I get the desperation. Because think of Major League Baseball, just logically, think of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, out of the four major sports, is kind of in the worst position outside of hockey. Hockey is really niche. But at least its fan base is very strong in terms of um, loyalty. Major League Baseball has struggled for many years to capture the imagination of the sports fan. Well, if they're the only game in town, guess what? They're getting watched. If they're the only live sports out there, they're getting, they're getting eyeballs. This would be like their one shot to kind of reclaim the national psyche in the sense that, hey, at least we're playing. Basically, whoever manages to get out there first gets all of the eyeballs right now. Yeah. They get a captive audience, quite literally. With everyone kind of being stuck at home, or at least a vast majority of people. Yeah, and baseball, you can definitely run it as a television sport. And UFC, you can do to a certain degree, although, you know, mixed martial arts fights do gain something when you have an actual audience. It's kind of fun to have an audience reacting to somebody getting knocked out or submitted or whatever. Um, but you can definitely, like, UFC at least has some experience with kind of a closed setting with the Ultimate Fighter. Because the Ultimate Fighter, it's kind of just the guys in the camps there and maybe some of the fighters cheering their fellow fighters on. But you don't have an audience until the finale where you then put it out in front of a big crowd. But the Ultimate Fighter series is in kind of a closed uh, studio setting with the Octagon and the fighters, and you've got your referee, and you go. So you UFC at least has some experience doing that. Major League Baseball with no fans will be weird, but you can still definitely play the game. I just think both of these are kind of far-fetched at best. But there, it, it is kind of crazy to think about the amount of things that you would have to pull off in order to even make an attempt. I'll give him points for trying, but I don't think we'll be seeing the return of any professional sports for a while still. If we're if we're lucky, maybe third quarter this year, and that is uh, that is a very optimistic look at it. I don't I don't really honestly expect anything until next year at the earliest. And glass half full words from the brother. So now you all know. This is why uh, this is why I bring Roberto on to to steadily create, bring us crashing down to earth with his doom, his voice of doom. But anyway, no, I don't disagree with you. Uh, it would be tough. Although, if you, you know what? It's not my health. You guys want to give it a go. Why not? I got fight past Dana White. Go ahead. Give it a go. Let's see Fight Island. I'll, uh, I'll prepare myself for it. Uh, any other thoughts you have on either one of these? Uh, for the, regarding the Fight Island, it's I know that they're suggesting the news that the uh, masks, that you can pretty much if you fold up your own cotton mask, I think it's cotton is the material they were suggesting on this one. I don't think they will let you wear that in the fight format, so unfortunately, as much as I'll be amused by seeing assorted multicolored ninja fights in there, I don't think I'll be seeing that in the UFC event anytime soon, which would be much to my disappointment. If you actually have your own island, I think it's a necessity in order to have that in there. Aside from the fact that they would get sued by the actual owners of Mortal Kombat. Good luck suing them. Who are you going to send it to? Are you going to mail it over to the island? 
<laughs> nice, nice. Anyway, fair enough. Uh, so quickly, I'll uh, close this off. Now, before I do, though, I'm going to do my quick uh, plugs here at the end, the shameless plugs. Since we're in the era of the shameless plugs now, do you want to promote anything? I know you got a YouTube channel. Do you want to promote any of that stuff? Uh, admittedly, well, uh, it's not necessarily tied to most of the topics here. Usually what I do these days on my YouTube channel, which uh, hopefully my brother will be linking to at the bottom of this. I will, just to be nice. Go ahead. Wherever it's being posted is. Usually what I tend to do these days is uh, muck around with, uh, not a thing, but basically a bootleg uh, cheap Chinese knockoffs of assorted toy brands, seeing how they work, or more often than not, not work, and uh, if I can possibly do so, trying to fix them up so they don't completely fall apart on themselves. Have you considered the real possibility that Dana White, if worse comes to worse and UFC 249 still can't happen, he may just go with action figures of fighters and have them fight and put that on as a broadcast? Well, if you look at NASCAR examples where they're actually having uh, having their drivers play actual uh, virtual driving by the sort of games, it's not far-fetched. I'm not sure action figures, but definitely uh, the last uh, UFC, is, was it UFC Unleashed? What's the name of the last uh, UFC title? I, I think it's something like that. I genuinely don't remember. I know I know the games you're talking about. Yeah, I could honestly see them pulling something like that off because they're honestly doing that for NASCAR stuff right now, which uh, I wish I had actually kept track of the name of a, apparently a driver that was, was playing one of these things, basically got fed up after getting crashed near the end of this virtual race, got fed up, quit, and went on a bit of a tirade and actually got dropped by his real-life sponsors. I'm sorry, What? <laughs> Okay, we're not gonna re- we're not gonna go into another story right now. But what? Seriously? Yeah, I, I wish I had actually jotted this down because this would have been an excellent. Thing. Uh, give me actually one second. I'm gonna see if I can punch it up real fast to the Twitter demo. This whole time you're holding out on me, like what the heck? That is literally the kind of ridiculousness that that is right up the alley of this podcast. Good lord! Yeah, it only literally just popped into my memory right now. Ah, bugger all! I can't find it in a hurry. NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. Is it Bubba Wallace? Yep. NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace loses his sponsorship for a virtual racing series after getting upset and quitting the event following a crash Sunday. That's the one, then. My Google Foo is strong, young man. My Google Foo is strong. To which, frankly, is like, I'm, I'm laughing my ass off reading on that one because it's like, okay, so you lost your legitimate sponsor over a virtual game because you basically threw a tantrum on it. I'm going to include a link uh, from Autoblog. I don't know if that's a if that's a good one, but I found I found it here, so why not? I'll include a link to that uh, in the in the show notes. All right, let's finish the shameless plug. You got me sidetracked from virtual racing, although that was an interesting enough story, so I guess it was good. Uh, so, what is the actual YouTube uh, channel called? The actual YouTube channel is I am Many Ninjas. Uh, my brother will put the short form version of it. I well, I have the website for that, but I need to update it. So, which is the reason I'm not bringing it up right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll put the YouTube link in there. Also on Twitter, usually I'm commenting or more active on Twitter, so that's at Many Ninjas on Twitter for my most most frequently used uh, social format there. Social media, yeah. So I'll put those link in the description if you want to check it out. He does a lot of he does a lot of random stuff and then taking stuff apart, putting it together. Yeah, some people seem to like it, so there you go. If it's if that's your thing, there's the channel, and I'll include the links. For this podcast, you've got, you can find Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it on YouTube, where usually cartoon versions of myself and Dave's faces will be on there. Archive versions of all these episodes are put up there. And you, I got to get a little better on our SEO game, but the, the archive versions get put up there, along with the show notes and everything, so you can always check that out. Our other social medias are still on the fritz. We'll get to fixing those eventually, but we'll get into that. I will credit Roberto's social media game is a little stronger with the stuff that he puts in. But 
that'll be it for myself. And um, we'll, we'll see if I have a co-host next week or if I have uh, Roberto back. Maybe I'll have him randomly join in and we can uh, do some commentary on eNASCAR and see if Bubba Wallace has found some new sponsors. So that'll be it for myself and Roberto. Some combination of us will catch you in the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. <laughs>